Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. that you've made over time and uh, you don't understand how uh, how good and how faithful God's been and let me let me just introduce who I am my name is Bear I, I'm, a, I'm a friend of Steve and Julie Ely and and uh, I've been a friend of them for a long time and uh, he's been a uh, confidant to me he's been a um, uh, an ear to listen and uh, he's been a voice to speak and um, he's been compassionate and uh it's fitting that the church is the passion church. If there's anyone in my life I've ever met with passion, it would be your pastor. And uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm well versed in church. I grew up in church. Uh, my mother and my dad, I'm a, I'm a preacher's kid, and so ministry is all I've ever known. My mom, she has a doctorate in theology and a doctorate in philosophy. My dad has a master's in church planning. My brother has a master's in economics, and I dropped out of college after two years. <laughs> That's about the way it's been. I dropped out of college to pursue music and to pursue um, a record label contract that was sitting on the table, and so I, uh, I jumped as deep as I could into it. And, uh, but I grew up Pentecostal. My, uh, my whole life has been uh, immersed in Pentecost and in the Holy Spirit guiding me and protecting me and walking with me. And... And uh, I, I will tell you this, though. I, um, is there, are there any guests here today? You're, you're a guest for the first time? No? Oh, first time. Welcome. We're glad you're here. And uh, the, uh, you have walked into a place where there's a lot of people that are just saved by grace. A lot of imperfect people, including myself, and I may be the cheapest of everybody. But I, I, uh, I stood here, and I was, I was worshiping, and, and eyes closed, hands raised, and I looked up at the screen up there, and... Uh, my shiny bald head was on the screen and looked like a pack of hot dogs on the back. I'm sitting there. You know the feeling. I hear you. <laughs> Listen, I, I come from a, from a background where, where when you're in church, uh, um, it's very, very experiential. And you come to church to experience the power of God. And somewhere along the way, I, um, I also figured out, as I, as I grew up in the faith, I also figured out that you can also have um, information. And once you get the information and you get the experience together, you can have an incredible service. If you just have one or the other, you're going to be lost. you got to have the experience and you got to have the information. And so I probably won't be the guy that's going to shout at you a whole lot, and I'm probably not going to be the guy that's going to scream at you. But I am going to give you a lot of information, and I'm going to give you a lot of uh, heads up. Uh, about life, and uh, I've gone back and forth this, um, even this weekend, uh, um, I've known for a while that I was going to speak to you today, and, and uh, as we do as ministers of the gospel, we pray through and we ask, God, what do you want us to do, what do you want us to say, how do you want us to say it, and, and uh, we ask for anointing, we pray that God's spirit will be all over us, and, uh, and we trust it, and we believe that the moment that we say it, it will fall on your ears and in your heart, and it will sink uh, down to the bottom, and you'll walk out changed. That's, our, that's what we envision. I hope that happens today. Um, you're going to laugh with me. You may cry with me. I'm, a, I'm an emotional guy because I'm a musician. And so I, uh, 
Most of my greatest songs come out of depression. Uh, that's the way it works. Um, God doesn't seem to drop great songs in my life when I'm happy. It's always when I'm sad. And so um, those songs that Steve, I'm thankful that he was able to uh, sleep and rest through my depression. And <laughs> anything for you, Steve. I, uh, I, hey, more depressed more often. I'll, I'll do that for you. My, uh, my wife, she's back home today, and, and this was a thank you for allowing us to come. And, and we're three hours from Dallas, uh, three, three hours-esque, and, and, and uh, I brought my daughter with me. This is our first ministry trip together, like Paul and Barnabas. We, uh, we hit the road, and we are preaching the Word of God. And, and she came today. She's nine, and um, I'm, I'm not trying to blow her up um, unintentionally, but she'll probably be the, the mightiest woman of God ever to walk the earth. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, not kidding. But I, uh, I'm praying that. Uh, when, when I asked her if she'd like to come today, she said, uh, I would, I would, I have a dilemma. She sa- I said, what is it? She said, they have one service. I said, okay. And she said, I want to hear you preach, but I want to check out the kids' area. And, uh, and so, so we did the best of both. We had worship right here, and then uh, Miss Julie took her back to the kids' area so she could check it out and be a part. And so uh, she has a heart for ministry. I've got two boys. They're five. Pray for me, if you would. Uh, they're twins. They're identical twins. Uh, they look a lot like me, and they're all boy. They are uh, ornery, but they are very tender spirit. And um, the pathway to uh, Major League Baseball is already set in motion. Uh, life is good. <laughs> life is good. David, David uh, has a real place in my heart. King David, he was, uh, he was not always king. There's a difference in being appointed and being anointed. And uh, at one point in David's life, he was appointed king. And then there's another point in David's life when he was anointed king. Let me ask this. I'm going to be super transparent with you today. And you're going to say, wow, you're really transparent. At times I will be. Um, but I'm going to ask that you be transparent as well. Um, how many wake up every morning asking God to be average? None of us. Um, and let me ask you to be really, really honest right now, even in front of your spouse. How many deep down inside your heart feel like God has called you to do something great? Okay. All right. So, so now that I know which way we're going, surely, surely David, somewhere in his life, felt like God had called him to do something great. Before he was appointed, before he was anointed, while he was a shepherd, while he was a warrior, while he was a fighter, while he was a toddler, while he was king, all of the above. And I'm going to do something unusual today. I'm going to start at the end of the story and work my way back. And um, here's what I'm going to read. 1 Samuel, chapter number 17. 1 Samuel, chapter number 17. While you're finding, finding that in your word, 1 Samuel, chapter number 17, verse number 26 is where I'll be. Pastor Steve mentioned uh, my songs. I, uh, I enjoy singing. I enjoy songwriting. Um, uh, I have an easygoing voice, probably, I guess is the, the right way to say it. I, I just, um, I enjoy it. I enjoy uh, all kinds of music. And uh, I, was, I was in Lawton, Oklahoma years ago. And a uh, young man walked up. I was leading worship on a weekend service. young man walked up. He had thick glasses. He stood in front of me, high and tight haircut. And uh, it didn't take me long. I knew where I was at. Lawton has what? Fort Sill. And uh, he, said, uh, he said, sir... I just want to say thank you. And I said, first off, don't call me sir. <laughs> and uh, I said, thank you for what? And he said, uh, well, and the pastor was standing there. He said, tell him, Brian, tell him. And he said, uh, sir, you were, uh, 
you were with us on our journey. And I said, well, great. What journey was that? And he said, uh, we, were the, we were one of the first three tanks that entered into Baghdad when we toppled Saddam Hussein. And I said, all right. I said, how was I with you? And he said, well, sir, I was in charge of the radio in the tank. And I said, all right. And he said, I had, my all, I had your All My Life album playing in the tank. That's the album that see. Now, listen, I, I'm not super smart on a lot of things, but let me, I do know myself and I know my voice. I don't have what you would call a warlike voice. Um, it's not going to set you in the mood to me. And so, uh, uh, and, and, and the pastor's standing there. He said, tell him, Brian, tell him, tell him what happened. So I'm sitting there, and, and he says, uh, sir, I was, I was playing your music, and, and all of the guys around me said, uh, turn that stuff off. But he didn't say stuff. <laughs> and, and I had not quite heard my music referred to that like that. And so I, <laughs> I, I said, okay. And he said, um, he said, turn that stuff off, turn that stuff That's what they all said. And and, uh, and it, was, it was old school. It was a Jesus, lover of my soul, you know, just easygoing stuff. And, and, uh, um, and, and so I turned it off, and he said, the first IED that came next to us, they all started screaming, turn it back on, turn it back on. And so <laughs> he said, you were with us as we entered Baghdad. And so I'm believing that somewhere they left that CD in Baghdad, and it's still playing. Amen. Uh, all right, First Samuel. Chapter number 17, verse 26. David, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine? Talking about who? Goliath. What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Verse number 27. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine. Here's something real important. Verse 28. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, David, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave the sheep in the wilderness? I, I know how conceited you are, David, and how wicked your heart is. You came down here only to watch the battle. Verse number 29. David says, now what have I done? Said David, can't I even speak? All right, we all know the battle, classic battle. What, David and Goliath, who wins? David. Okay, so we're starting at the end. David, somewhere along life's way, and this is how, this is how I'm going to address you today, is somebody that believes God has something great for your life. Somewhere David felt like God had something great for his life. So what's he do? He goes through life. And at the right time, God says, okay, I'm going to appoint you. And then at the right time, God says, I'm going to anoint you. Every day he woke up, God, what can I do? God, what can I do? What can I do? God, and, and God says this, I'm going to send this animal your way. I'm going to send this animal. I want you to practice here. Do this. And eventually, you're going to become king, David. So what happens? David goes and he ends up facing a giant. Takes a slingshot, whoosh, whoosh, kills, cuts his head off, done. End of story. Kind of. All right? So that's where we're going to stop today. David and Goliath. That's the end of that story. But we're going to back up. We're going to talk about where in the world did David get the, the courage to stand in front of a giant? How did that happen? If you watch television enough right now, if you listen to podcasts enough right now, it's easy to allow fear to creep in. If you watch enough Fox News, you can be scared out of your mind. If you watch enough CNN, you can be scared out of your mind. 
if you watch anything on TV, if you, if you pay attention on Twitter, if you do all these different stuff, you can be scared out of your mind for what's to come. As far as what we know, we're headed south in a hurry, right? We're scared. All of these things open up to fear, 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 fear. I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking about how in the world David got the courage to stand up and say, what's going to be done to this guy? And I read it to you earlier. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him, and he asked, why have you come down here, David, and with whom did you leave the few sheep in the wilderness? Listen, for those of you that are called to greatness, there's always going to be a voice in your ear that reminds you of where you came from and what you should be doing. Okay? And it's really, really difficult and really, really challenging. So I'm going to step back again and say, David, where did you get the courage? How did you get the courage to do this? Now, we started with the end. Now we're going to go back to the beginning, all the way back to the beginning. I'm going to do my best today to make light of a conversation that's a really deep, intimate, sincere conversation that's in our heart and in our soul, and that's fear. Fear. I've only one time in my life been stripped with fear. I mean, just completely, from head to toe, stripped down to where all I had was fear. My wife was pregnant with the boys, and uh, we had a lot going on. When I found out that we were going to have twins, when I, when, I, when I found out that was the real thing happening in our life, um, I panicked. And, and that's not the fear I'm talking about. I panicked. I sold everything I had. I sold my golf clubs, which that's a big deal. Steve will know that. I sold everything I had and just to make sure I had enough money. Um, we were living in Dallas. I, I, I drove the car I wanted, uh, the truck I wanted, all this sort of stuff. I sold everything to make sure I had the means to make sure I could pay for these boys. I was just a little bit short, and we were racking ourselves trying to figure out what can we do, what can we do, what can we do, and we came up with an idea. I came up with selling a wedding anniversary gift I had gotten my wife for our five-year anniversary. It was a ring. So I listed it, met with a guy, and he robbed me. Robbed me, point blank. That's not when I got scared. This was early on in the pregnancy. I'm trying to figure it out. I was devastated because he robbed me, not of the ring. He robbed me of my purpose. Does that make sense? He robbed me of what I was trying to do. So I, 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 I'm just devastated and everything else. And so I'll, I, I come back to the house, and, and, and for months I'm just devastated. I'm sick, I'm, and, and I was scared, but I didn't have fear. He robbed me of my purpose. My purpose was to provide for my family. He robbed me of my purpose. All right, so fast forward just a few months. Um, Jill says, hey, the doctor's telling me I need to go on bed rest, about 20 weeks, something like that. I'm like, all right, um, we got it. We got this. At, at 25 weeks, we go in for a checkup. Doctor says, hey, um, boys are doing all right. I'd like to give them a shot, a steroid shot. Um, so and we're on a, this is on a Friday, and I'm like, all right, that's fine. And, and uh, he's like, I want you to meet me. Uh, we're going to go to downtown Baylor in Dallas and meet me down there. And I said, okay. And I said, we were going to run by Ikea. We're picking up a few things. Uh, can we do that? He's like, yeah, no problem. Just when you get done, we're going to check in for the night. She'll stay one night and everything else. We, uh, we check in. We go to the hospital. We get checked in downtown Baylor. Uh, we're there about five minutes, and Jill says, I don't feel very well. I'm like, all right. And, uh, and within seconds, it seemed like, Jill went into labor at 25 weeks. Um, it was such a whirlwind of emotion, nurses running in, doctors running in, trying to get everything else, and then she uh, developed a blood clot in her leg. And um, we're trying to sit there and, and, and figure out what's going on. I was in shorts and a T-shirt and flip-flops because I was, we were going to check her in. I was going to stay there for a little bit, go back to the house, get Maddie, 
who was at the sitter, you know what I'm saying, how it, you shuffle everything around, and, and it seemed to be very, very mundane and very an average deal that turned into something much, much bigger, okay? So I'm sitting there, and, and next thing I know, it, we've gone from the afternoon, and it's midnight, and all I can remember is that um, the pain that Jill's going through, the nurses are coming in, we're in a special uh, room uh, in ICU, and a doctor comes in, and he sits there, and he says, uh, he says to me, um, I'm Dr. So-and-so. I said, I said, and I don't remember his name, and I remember he had a beard, and, and I said, I'm Bear. I'm, I'm her husband. And at that point, Jill, they had, they had given her enough stuff. She was trying to stop the labor, and she was out. She was completely out of it. And, um, and he began to talk to me about survival rate of the boys. And, uh, and so I sat there, and I looked at him, and, and, he, and I remember him saying, I don't know if you are a praying man or a believer or not. He goes, I am not. But I will tell you this. Statistically, if you are, for whatever reason it is, um, call somebody, do it yourself. The chances of improvement are better than if you don't do it. I thought that was odd that he would say that. After, and then follow up and say, I'm not that way. And then here's what was strange. I didn't say a word. I didn't say, oh, yes, I'm a pastor. And for the first time in my life, my identity in pastoring and leadership and church ministry, all of that was stripped away. I couldn't say a word. Because I'm sitting here, my purpose had already been stolen from me, and now it seemed like my major purpose was getting ready to be stolen from me. I mean, I just want to be a dad. That was it. So I'm sitting there, and, um, and the night went on, maybe the longest night of my life, and I was froze froze. I mean, fear had gripped me and froze me. I was at 25 weeks. She stayed in the hospital 31 days. They got, and they said it was hour to hour, day to day, and we'll stretch it out two days. Every day's a win, is what they said. Every day's a win. I was like, okay. We got all the way up to 36 weeks. Um, I think we had the boys at 36 weeks. They're healthy. Everything's good. They were in the NICU for a while. Um, uh, but that's the only time in my life that fear ever gripped me to the point where I didn't know what to do and I didn't know what to say and I didn't have the courage to not be average. I was just average. Here I was, this man of faith, growing up, had seen miracles all my life, but when it hit home to me in the heart of where I was, I was scared still. Fear had left me frozen. And I would love to stand in front of you and say, man, I, I begin to cry out to God. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. It was all I could do to call my dad, who was my hero and the biggest mentor of my life, and just say, I need help. Here's what my moment of faith and fear looked like. It all culminated to this. I was in my shorts, t-shirt, flip-flops, freezing in the room. That's all I remember. I was freezing, and I remember thinking, there's a shower over there. I just need to get in the shower. I just need to get in the shower. So I went over there, and I asked the nurse, I said, I, just, I need a towel. I just, I've got to get in the shower. And she's like, yes, sir, we'll, we'll get you a towel. And so we got, I went in there, and I remember going, turning the shower on and getting in. And I remember the shower coming out, and it was cold. And I, and I remember, seriously, I remember turning my head and putting it against the wall, standing in this freezing cold water going, really, God? I asked for one thing, just hot water. And you can't do hot water? And I, I remember it went from a man of faith to a man of frustration. 
when things don't go your way, when you get pressed and squeezed, what comes out sometimes is not what you want. It's unfortunate. When Eliab, you got to remember Eliab, David's oldest brother. Okay, now I want to back up. I don't want to miss out on this. All right, David's oldest brother. He was, David was one of how many? Eight. All right. Eliab was first to be king. But it wasn't him. Something that was, that was supposed to be his. They went to him and said, no, it's not you. How much of that you think got into his heart? So whenever David walks up, you see what I'm saying? There, there's bitterness there. And, and the people in your life that start to see you succeed, the voices that you're going to hear can freeze you. Can freeze you. All right, now I'm going to back up. Because I keep asking myself, where did David get the courage? So here I am. I'm standing in the shower. The water comes on. Finally, it, it goes to hot. And in that moment, I stood there thinking, okay, first things first, hot water. <laughs> now, God, I need you. I need you to do this. Back all the way up. Deuteronomy chapter number 6, verse number 4. This is Moses. And I'm going to tie all this together in just a few minutes. This is Moses coming down from the mountain where God had just given him the Ten Commandments. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, and with all of your strength. This is what he's telling the Israelites. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And here's where it gets real important. Verse number seven. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gates. All right, that was Moses. Now follow with me if you would. David's dad. Now back to David's dad, King David. His dad's name was Jesse. David's grandfather, his name was Obed. David's great-grandmother was Ruth, mother of Obed. Ruth was married to Boaz. Boaz's mother was Rahab. That's David's great-great-grandmother who saved the Israelite spies when the walls of Jericho fell. Joshua was Moses' assistant and present when Moses came down from the mount and instructed the Israelites. All right, here's why I say all of that to say this. In that verse, it says, verse number 7, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up. I kept asking myself, where in the world did David get the courage to do what he needed to do to be great for God? It came from Moses. And you might say, well, he, he, he didn't have any idea about Moses. He didn't. No, I just read you the lineage just a second ago. I tied it all together for you. Let me do it one more time. David's dad was Jesse. David's great, his grandfather was Obed. David's great-grandmother was Ruth, mother of Obed. Ruth was married to Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, David's great-great-grandmother, who saved the Israelite spies when the walls of Jericho fell when Joshua, who was Moses' assistant, had instructed them. Okay, there's a lineage here. So you, 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 you want to know how to get a lack of fear in your life? You want to know how to get lack of fear into your children? It's imperative. That's why I brought my daughter with me. It's imperative that she hear and that she see what God's doing in people's life. When they grow up, when your kids grow up, how many have kids? You, you have kids. How many want to have kids? Okay, most of us, okay. We want to have kids. 
Kids become our most valued treasure. Listen, I've only been scared one time in my life where, I was, where fear had struck me frozen, and that's when I thought I was going to lose my most valued treasure. Okay? Your kids become everything. And, and they don't get this yet, and, and I'm glad she slipped out. She doesn't get this yet, but everything I do, I do for her. Everything I do for my boys, I do for them and their future. You see what I'm saying? Somewhere along the way, there's a good chance you're here today because somebody got you here today. They prayed you through. They walked you through. They told you no when you needed to be told no, and they told you yes when you needed to be told yes. You see what I'm saying? Kids are important to us. They're our most valued treasure. So you got David. David. Appointed, then anointed. And listen, Charles Spurgeon said, A primary qualification for serving God with any amount of success and for doing God's work well and triumphantly is a sense of our own weakness. I can't do this by myself. I'm a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week, 365-day pastor. That's what I do. And unfortunately, there are moments when I am an 18-hour-day dad, a 350-day dad. Now, ministry, I'm all in. We talked about this. Steve and I have talked about this in depth. Ministry is really, really important to me, but it can never trump my desire to, to love my kids. And, and while driving here, and I, and I felt like I was supposed to say this to somebody today and while driving here, if you don't get anything, please just get this. Anything, anything, take away anything, any option in your life that doesn't allow you to love your family 100%. And I was driving here thinking to myself, Bear, what are you, what are you talking about? And I felt like the Lord dropped that into my life. Take away any option in your life that doesn't allow you to love your family 100%. Now I want to say this to some husbands. Take away any option in your life that doesn't allow you to love your spouse 100%. Wife, I want to tell you, take away any option in your life that doesn't allow you to love your husband 100% because you know why? Options lead to opportunities. And opportunities lead to destruction sometimes. Men, take away every option in your life that won't allow you to love your wife 100%. It's imperative for your kids. It's imperative for your future. It's imperative for your legacy and lineage. Our legacy is important. I want my kids to be in ministry, but if they don't want to be in ministry, I want them to serve God. At the bottom, at the end of the day, I want them to serve God. You see what I'm saying? The lineage and the legacy is important. Baseball is going to come and go. <laughs> it just will, you know. But God's word lasts forever. And if I can build their faith on, on God's word, it's far more lasting than I can build it on sports. And, and I'm, listen, I'm, I'm, I assume, I, I can't assume, but I assume that we're in the, the mecca of, of sports right here with, with Boomer Sooner. And so, hey, listen, I went to Texas, killing me down there. I'm an Oklahoma boy. <laughs> and they were just like, what are you doing down here? I was like, well, Jesus said to come and save the lost. Anyway, all right, I digress. An average adult every day, an average adult makes 35,000 conscious decisions a day. Conscious decisions a day. For me to walk over here is a conscious decision. 35,000. I know some of you wives are saying the guy next to me does not make 35,000 decisions a day, I can assure you. The average adult. I told Pastor Steve that I wanted to talk about closing our 
fears. I'm a firm believer that most of our fears come from our ears and the voices that we hear. When he said that we were, we were in a series called Voices, I want to talk to you about the voices that you had in the past and the voices that you have in your present and how that dictates the voices that you'll hear in the future. I tell my kids all the time, there's nothing you can't do with God. Nothing. You want to be a doctor? Be a doctor. Do it with the Lord. You want to be a fireman? Be a fireman. You want to be a baseball player? Be a baseball player. Do it with the Lord. You want to be a pastor? Do it with the Lord. You want to be a great husband? Do it with the Lord. We don't talk about being a wife with Maddie yet, and she's not old enough. You do it with the Lord. You see what I'm saying? We're talking about legacy. Point number one. Point number one. Catch on or it will catch you. Catch on or it will catch you. We're talking about where does fear come from and how do I eliminate fear? First thing is you've got to recognize that there's fear in your life. Catch on or it will catch you. When David was a shepherd and he's out in the fields, when, when, when the, the lions come and the bears come, I assume as a young boy he was scared. You've got to catch on or it will catch you. Catch on. Recognize what's going on in your life before it catches you. Recognition. The sooner we can recognize that we've opened the door to fear through our ears, the quicker we can remedy our current situation. There's a good chance that somebody in here, someone from your past has spoke fear into your life. You just did. We, we, we've all been through it. For me, it was right whenever I dropped out of college, my parents all educated, and a guy walks up to me, and I took my first job as a, as a at the time, he was a music minister. I was 19 years old, and one of the deacons walked up and said to me, why do you think that you can make a living doing music? We've never had that before. And that's all he said to me. And he put that seed of fear into my life that I still, to this day, carry with me. Why do I think I could ever do music? And there's been times I've questioned why I could ever do music. Why would anybody want to pay to do music? Why would anybody? You see what I'm saying? We have all been spoken something over our life by somebody. And the problem is, is that it crippled us. And it stopped us from doing what we needed to do. It stopped us from killing the lion. It stopped us from killing the bear. Then it stopped us from going to the army of men and saying, what's going on with the big guy over here? We've all been frozen with it. Catch on or it will catch you. Point number two, fear can freeze us. Voices from our past, voices in our present, shape the reality of our future. Fear can freeze us. Point number three. Point number three, and I'm going to stand here in just for a little bit. Point number one was catch on before it catches you. Point number two is fear can freeze you. And point number three is the price of acquisition. I learned that phrase, the price of acquisition. I'm not a businessman. My wife has started a, a company that's done very well in the Dallas area. Uh, but by trade, I'm not a businessman. And so I watch Shark Tank. Shark Tank on, you guys ever seen Shark Tank? All right, and so I, you get um, a group of guys up here, standing here, um, and a guy walks in with a dream, right? A woman walks in with a dream. And they present the dream the best they can. And it is the, the job of the five people sitting up here to rip it apart or to jump on board with it. Okay, so does this sound familiar? Sound familiar? Every pastor does this every Sunday. Walk in here with a dream, present it, and, it, and it's up to you to rip it apart or jump on board with it. Okay, here we go. Shark Tank. So the question that I hear all the time, they walk in, here's my dream. Bah! And they say this, what's your price of acquisition? 
The first few times I heard that, I was, I was confused. So I began to look up, what does it mean to have a price of acquisition? What does it mean? So here I am. I've got, I've got Steve sitting here. And I walk up and I say, Steve, I've got this great idea. Here it is. And I lay it before him. And Steve says, okay, what does it cost you, Bear, to get people to buy into it? That's what it is. What does it cost you to get people to buy into it? And I say, well, it cost me this, and it cost me this, and it cost me this. Or maybe I say, I don't really know what it, what it costs. I haven't really figured that up in detail, and I don't know. Let me tell you something. The cost of any dream is major. It's a major price to pay. What is your price of acquisition? The voices that you've heard all of your life, you can't do this. You're not going to amount to nothing here. Why would you even do that? Why would you think that through? Why do you think you could become a drummer, Aaron? Why do you think, well, you can't, there's nowhere that's going to provide for you to play a, a stable place. Well, they didn't know your life. You see what I'm saying? Why do you think you can play guitar? Why do you think you can play key? Why do you think you can start a business? Why do you think you can have a family? Your life's not conducive to that. And all these little voices come into your head and they, they create chaos in your mind. And then all of a sudden, the confidence you thought you had whenever you killed the lion or killed the bear all of a sudden begins to shrink. See, I remember when I first started in ministry, I was young and I didn't know what I didn't know. I was willing to do whatever and go wherever and pay any price. It didn't matter to me. The fact that someone would pay me to come, I could care less. I would pay to go. That's the way it's been all my life. And then all of a sudden, I, I, I bought a house, and I had some responsibilities, and, and then all of a sudden, I decided to get married. Then I had more responsibilities. And then I decided, hey, you know, maybe, maybe the Lord wants me to be a dad. Then it seemed like I had a whole world of responsibilities on top of that. And with every responsibility and with every little thing that mounted up, all of a sudden, I began to think, whoa. And the older I got, I seemed to take less risk. You see what I'm saying? The fears crept in. Oh, don't, 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 don't do this. Don't do this. Okay, watch over her here. Stand, hey, stand next to me here. I don't, hey, don't look at him. I don't know who that is. Don't look at him. Don't do that. And, and hey, boys, come over here. Don't, hey. You know, all the things that, that we did whenever I was a kid. I'm 42. All the things that we did whenever I was a kid, OSHA has, a, has outlawed pretty much. And so, and, and, and I'm right on track with OSHA. I, I'm like, kids, don't go outside without your shoes on. You're going to burn your feet on the concrete. And my wife's like, let them go outside without their shoes on. You know, we, we everything, I'm, I'm, I'm less risk-taking now than ever before because all these voices in my head have said to me, Bear, you can't do this. Bear, you can't do that. Bear, your boys almost died. Bear, you almost lost your home. Bear this. Bear, don't, don't gamble your whole life for the Lord because, I mean, you, you got a steady paycheck. You got this. You got this. I'm going to push pause just for a second. I'm going to step over here. These two people on the front row, they took a huge gamble a few years ago. I know Steve looks a lot older than I am. <laughs> they took a big gamble a few years ago and they said okay God we're going to decline the steady paycheck we're going to decline the hype and we're going to invest in people we had this, we had this life was going along just fine climbing up the ladder God I, I hear you I hear you 
And quietly, the Holy Spirit began to tug. And, and when the Holy Spirit tugs, man, it's a tug like you can't even imagine. It just keeps you up at night. And, they, and, they, and, they, and the Holy Spirit put a dream inside of your pastors to plant a church locally to deal with your problems, not with the world's problems, to deal with your problems, to deal with my problems, to deal with those that are going to be here next week's problems, and then invest into them, to be there for them, to stay up at night with you and to pray with you. A shepherd's heart. I've asked myself many, many times, where did David get the lack of fear? Standing up against his brothers, standing up against the giants, standing up against the animals, standing up against the lions and the bears, and being alone in the wilderness. Where did all this come from? It come from the presence of the Lord. I can't help but think David in the fields found himself in the presence of God. And when you find yourself in the presence of God, the word says it will melt the mountains like wax. That's what, that's what the presence of the Lord will do. When God puts a dream inside of two people, it melts all of the problems and the what-ifs like wax because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you may have a building that, that, that is not conducive to what you're trying to do. It doesn't matter that you may have uh, uh, this situation or this situation or, or be in an area. It doesn't matter when God puts a dream in your life. When God puts a dream in your life, once you get past the voices of fear, and it's tough, it's tough. And listen, I speak from experience of right now walking through a little bit of fear and asking God, what's next in my life? It's not an either or. Sometimes it's an and. But I wanna, I'm a worship leader. That's what I do. I love to sing. I love to think about the Lord. And I was going to sing that song a while ago. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me. And, I, and every time I think about that song and I begin to sing that song, I struggle getting through it because he's been so good to me. Been so good to me. And every time I look back and I say, God, you've been so good to me. And then I say, I want, I want a little more. <laughs> I want a little more. I want a little more. And Growing up in a ministry home, my sensitivity to gossip and to what people are thinking and ultimately saying about me and my family has always been off the charts. A reality in ministry is that if you're not liked, you're often voted out. That's the reality of ministry. If they don't like you, you're not there long. As one lady said, I was here before you and I'll be here after you. Okay. <laughs> you know. So one of my passions in life back in the day when before I had children and I had time and money, I liked golf. I liked to play a lot of golf. So I was, uh, I was in Bartlesville, Oklahoma at a golf course that I didn't really belong at. It was much nicer than what I deserved. But I found an inroad and got invited and I was playing and I was having the time of my life. I mean, it was just beautiful, immaculate. The greens were rolling, and I just stood there literally thanking God for the opportunity to play golf. And I got done with the round, walked into the clubhouse, and there was a guy sitting there screaming at the manager the, the, uh, of, the, of the clubhouse and, and the head pro, and, and he was complaining about the greens and everything else. And I just stood there. And, and I was just, I mean, just confused of what was happening. I went from this... God, you're so good to this guy screaming at, at, at the greens and the shape of the golf course. And, and finally, he was complaining about the greens doing this and doing that. And finally, the head pro looked at me and he said, young man, what do you think? Well, I'd just come off the greatest day of my life. And I said, well, it sounds like you're upset and you want him fired because you don't know how to putt. 
I didn't know what I didn't know. And so I, so I say all that to say this. Um, I was really sensitive to gossip. And I was really sensitive to the guy that was really aggravated and angry and frustrated because he had been given a lot in his life. And just because it didn't go his way, he was wanting another guy to change his entire life and get somebody fired. And you see what I'm saying? And so people are always going to be talking, dropping nuggets of fear, dropping nuggets of insecurity. Listen, you're looking at the most insecure guy ever. The most insecure. I'll leave here and I'll drive three hours and think of a hundred things I wish I would have told you today. But the reality is this. We all walk with a sense of insecurity. We all do. We all wish we could do more. We all wish we could be better. And today, I, I'm going to start to close. But I really feel like the Lord sent me all the way up here from Dallas to let you know, to be a voice today to you and tell you that there's some fear in your heart. It's past your mind. I mean, it's one thing to have fear in your mind, but when it gets to your heart, it's a, it's a deep, deeper-seated issue. And that fear in your heart is keeping you from giving what you're supposed to give. It's keeping you from doing what you're supposed to do. It's keeping you from the commitment God has asked you to keep. It's keeping you from being the husband or the wife that you need to be or the dad or the mom that you need to be. It's keeping you from going into full-time ministry. Fear, insecurity. It's keeping you from taking the next step. Listen, you've got a pastor that has a, has a very, very broad view of ministry. Sometimes my view is pretty, pretty one-tree-sided when Pastor Steve sees the whole forest. But I've got to get around this one tree, then I'll look at the next tree. You see what I'm saying? Then I'll step this way. And for a lot of us in our life, we feel like God's given us something. What do I do with this, God? What do I do with this? And those voices from our past keep nagging at us and saying, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do that. What are you talking about? Don't you remember when you messed up? Don't you remember when you did this? Don't you remember when you did that? Criticism is part of everyone's life. We've either been a recipient or a contributor. But please know this, that criticism is not a talent nor a gift. It's neither one. It takes very little skill and almost zero ambition to be critical. For those who struggle in listening to everyone else's opinion on their lives, their dreams, their hopes, listen, stop taking constru constructive criticism from anybody that's never constructed anything in their life. It's just a waste of your time. You know, and I, and I'm, I, I posted this the other day on social media because I, I, I really believed it, that, that um, it takes a lot of maturity to hold it all together. It really does. But there's also a, a, an incredible amount of value in letting some things go. As dads, as husbands, we try to hold it all together, keep it all together. Man, just keep it all together. you got a lot of things happening. But there are some things in our life you just got to let it go. You just got to let it go. If it's a relationship, if it's a, if it's a job situation, if it's stress here, stress there, pressure that you put on yourself or pressure someone puts on you, you got to let it go. There's times to hold it together, but there's also times to let it go. I'd rather write my dreams down and live them out publicly than write my criticisms down and live them out anonymously. 
And that's what social media does. And, and for, the, for some of us, I, I, I'm just like you. I get all my news from social media. I get everything. And, and I'm amazed at how I have signed up for the negative. I've signed up for the negative. So I, I get all these, you know, I have CNN. I have Fox. I have um, Dallas News. I have, and so anything that happens breaking, it comes to me. Because I can't, because, let me just tell you this. I finally told my wife the other day, I said, I don't know why I have all this news and information coming to me. I can't even handle my own life, let alone everybody else's life. You know, and she's like, well, take it off your phone. I was like, well, I don't know if I want to do that. (laughs) Easy now. I don't need your voice of reason to walk into my life. Uh, Fear can often end up driving us and being the driving force behind why we make the decisions that we make and for what reason. I'm not saying learn a life of no fear. I think that's impossible. What I am saying is learn to look fear in the face and still take a step forward. That's what I'm saying. Past failure, current rejection, past indiscretion, present difficult situations all open the door to insecurity and self-doubt. It opens the door to fear. But closing our ears to fear is vitally important to our life and to our families. Hard to listen to people that have never even driven a canoe tell you how to drive your ship. Okay? And I, and I think that for us today, as we close and we wind down, I think it's important that we take a step forward. I told you I'm not a shouter and I'm not super energetic, and I apologize if that's the best way that you, um, you respond, but I wanted you to leave here today with some information about fear and know that even while David, growing up from toddler to junior high to high school to young adult into his kingmanship, even then, he walked with fear, but he learned how to stare it down and step forward anyway. And you're going to always have people in your past that say, why don't you go back to where you came from? Who's tending the sheep in the wilderness? Why don't you go back flipping burgers? Why don't you go back to doing this? Why don't you go back to this? You'll never amount to anything. Listen, there's a lot of people, while you're dreaming your dream, If they can't have theirs, they're going to try to figure out how not to let you have yours. Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. Dream your dream. Love your God. Love your king. Allow him to put that seed inside of you and walk forward. It is going to be scary. It's going to be death-defying sometimes. You're going to say, what am I going to do? God, how am I going to handle this? How is this going to work? And Then you have to go back to Jeremiah 29. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for you. And just keep saying it. God, you have a plan for me. God, you got a plan for me. And then step back and quit making all the plans yourself. If he says, I have a plan for you, quit deciding what this and how this and do this. And okay, Bear, if I do this and do that and, and if I make sure I do. No, let him worry about the plans for your life. You just step forward. Be scared. It's all right, but step forward. Don't step back. Don't keep stepping back. Don't let insecurity walk you backwards. He's a good God. And every good and perfect gift comes from above. He's got a gift inside your life that he has planted that nobody can take away, but you can give away if you're not careful. Close your eyes if you don't mind. It's 1130. I'm incredibly thankful to be standing here today with you and just the the fact that you'd even listen to me. I'm honored.
Listen, God's asked you to do it. Jesus laid his life down so you'd be free while doing it. And the Holy Spirit is with you while you're doing it. So there's no voices that can conquer that. If God asked you, Jesus sacrificed, and the Holy Spirit is walking beside you, then there's nothing that can stop you from stepping into it other than yourself, other than your own insecurity, other than your own fear and self-doubt and worry. Oh, worry. I'm a worrier by nature. I don't want to be, but I am. I'm worrying while I'm speaking to you. I'm worrying whether you're getting this or not. But listen, I'm, I'm looking right past that into your heart and saying, no fear. No more fear. No more waking up in the middle of the night worried about tomorrow. I'm trying to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I want to be sensitive to Him right now. maybe several there's several moms and dads in here your kids are not with the Lord and you raise them to be with the Lord I feel strong to tell you you dedicated your kids to him trust trust that he's watching over them you can't give God your kids and then go back and take them from him and say I can do it better trust that he's with your kids with them. Trust that even though they're not here with you today and you've asked them and you've begged them and you've wanted them and you've prayed over them, trust that they're feeling the convicting power of the Holy Spirit wherever they're at right now. And then when you walk out of here today, do me a favor and send them a text and tell them you love them. You love her. That's all you got to say. I love you. my most valued treasure and I love you. That's what they need to know from you. So Father, you're holy and you're mighty and there's a good chance that my words fell short today of being articulate enough to explain how good you truly are. You asked me to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that's what I'm trying to do today. Lord, my heart is broken for the broken. And you've called me to fix broken. Not just with band-aids.
what I am and what I'm not. Uh, what I am is tender to the Holy Spirit, and that's what I—that's how I flow best. And so, um, right then, I feel like the Lord wanted me to tell somebody in here today: um, you felt like you had a purpose, and that purpose has never shaped up the way you thought. You had an image in your head, and you had a direction. You thought it was going to be this way, right here. You, you had the look all lined out, and it's not turned out the way that you thought. Please understand. It's not just trendy right now to, re- to restore and, re- and repurpose things. That's not trendy. That's nothing new. God's been restoring and re- repurposing for years. It may not look the way that you thought it was going to look. It may not be the way that you thought it was going to be. It may not have played out the way that you thought it was going to play out. But God has, re- has redeemed you. He bought you. He bought you. And you may say, well, he didn't, he didn't give a whole lot for me. He didn't give a whole lot for me. I was cheap. I was beaten and I was thrown away. Listen, he can take everything, everything, buy it, pay the price, the ultimate price for it, redeem it and give it new value more than you ever imagined. So don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged that that you're not what you thought you were going to be. He has a plan that's bigger than you could ever imagine. And your value, your value is off the charts. It doesn't even compare to what you thought you were going to do. What he has in store for you, once you get past this fear, once you understand that he is everything, that his plan is the best plan, you're repurposed. You gotta walk in it. Father, I praise you. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I'm sorry that I'm a crybaby, but I, I can't help but cry in your presence. God, I've been doing this a long time. And I've lived by the motto if it's gonna be, Lord, let it be in me. So I'm asking for your presence. And in my life, Lord, anything that is not 100%. Your word, my family, Lord, I pray that you'll just take away the option. It's a big prayer. Take away that option. Lord, we love you. I give you praise for all things. I praise you for redeeming, for restoring, repurposing, and giving new value in our life. And we step past fear today, Lord, to your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. do this with me, would you just bow your head real quick close your eyes, no one looking around I just, I sense that Bear was right on if you're if you walked in this morning and you've been dealing with fear, would you just slip your hand up and pull it right back down there's nobody looking for me, that's what I thought okay, yeah, he was dead on Father, this morning we recognize that fear can have such a powerful impact on us your word declares that you don't give us the spirit of fear so if you don't give it to us then that means we've picked it up on our own I just pray for each person that raised their hand last week you challenged us through the word to go after our dreams but in perfect timing this week you revealed to us that the enemy uses fear 
to keep us from actually going after our dreams. I pray this morning that you would do a deep work in us, that the word that Bear brought this morning would take up root in us and you would speak courage into our hearts. I come against the spirit of fear. I pray that instead you would give us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. We would know that we know that we're capable, that you don't call us where you don't give us the strength. And so, Father, I pray that for each of those that raised their hand that said, I'm dealing with fear, I pray that you would now give them the strength and the courage to step up and do what you've called them to do in every arena of their life. I give you thanks for your word today. I pray that it would take up deep root in us. Father, we give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Would you give my friend Bear a hand for the word this morning? And he's going to be mad at me, but I ask him to do this anyway. There's one song that he wrote that's my favorite. And this is for nobody but me. All right? But I've asked him to sing all my life because this is the one. This is the song I put on repeat. And when you come right down to it, the only way you can not have fear is to give him all your life, right? So I've asked him to sing it. He did, he, I told him before, but he was going to try to slip out without it. But this is me. I'm in a private concert. Hey, this is my mic. I, need, I can't sing it. So I brought him in to sing it. Bear, would you sing it for us?
It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. 
To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.